Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tianlu. Coming up in this edition, Qatar is preparing a plan to halt fighting in Gaza and release hostages as Israel continues its deadly assault in Gaza. Iranian and Pakistani top diplomats have sat down for talks to mend ties after tit-for-tat missile strikes. And China and the United States are discussing ways to address fentanyl exports and abuse. We begin with the Middle East. Israel is continuing assault on the devastated Gaza Strip. Palestinian health officials said Israeli bombing killed 215 more people over the past 24 hours, including 20 members of one family. This comes as Qatar says the framework to halt fighting in Gaza and release hostages will be relayed to Hamas. But Hamas and the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine insist Israel must stop its offensive and withdraw troops from Gaza before any prisoner exchange takes place. Sarah Coates has more in Tel Aviv. Israel has been continuing to say that it will not completely pull out of this strip. It needs these hostages back first. And this has really been that main stumbling block there between Israel and Hamas. But look, according to these mediators, there is quiet optimism. They say that progress has been made, although a deal is not imminent. Now, according to Hebrew media, this is the outline of this framework. It would reportedly uh, be in phases, women, children, injured people to be released first. This could be for a pause in fighting of up to 45 days where for every hostage there would be between 100 and 250 Palestinian prisoners set free from Israeli jails. Now the next phase would see men released, non-soldiers, for another pause in fighting while the final phase would see female, male soldiers released uh, as long as well rather as dead bodies and this would be for an even larger number of Palestinian prisoners. But look, as I just said, the main stumbling block here, of course, is Hamas completely wants Israel to withdraw all of its forces from the Strip before any of these prisoners are released. Israel says that that is a complete red line. It wants the hostages back first. But there is confidence uh, among these mediators that they can lay some sort of groundwork here for a long-term peace, for an actual ceasefire, if these conditions are accepted first by Israel and Hamas. That was Sarah Coates reporting. Washington says it is not looking for war with Iran or seeking to escalate tensions in the Middle East. This comes after a deadly drone attack on a U.S. military base in Jordan, which killed three U.S. soldiers and wounded more than 40 others. Washington has accused Iran of being involved in the operation, which Tehran denies. This is the first deadly strike against U.S. troops since the conflict between U.S.-backed Israel and Hamas erupted in October. It has also prompted fears of a major escalation in regional tensions. Nathan King has more. Yeah, Tower 22, no one's really heard of it, but it's on that very uh, porous border between Jordan, Iraq and Syria. Officially, about 350 personnel there, uh, largely for counter-terrorism efforts, they say, the American armed forces against forces uh, like ISIS. Now, this Islamic resistance army in Iraq claiming responsibility, a newish group. Uh, The Pentagon say they have uh, the backing of Iran. That's rejected 
uh, by Tehran and said they didn't have any influence in the operation at all. But with the first American dead since the Israel-Hamas war uh, in response to the October 7th uh, attacks, uh, this is obviously stepping up a little. Deterrence has essentially failed for the U.S. Remember, they brought in two aircraft carriers and uh, allied forces. They've had attacks from the Houthis uh, on the Red Sea shipping, Hezbollah firing rockets. They're trying to pull Israel back from entering that conflict as well. And, you know, even though they say they are going to have a very consequential response, uh, John Kirby, the spokesperson for the National Security Council here at the White House, said they are not looking to escalate the war. But not escalating and responding. This is where the US, uh, as the global dominant power, is between a rock and a hard place. Uh, there are domestic calls in Congress from Republicans to hit Iran and hit Iran hard. Well, as you can hear from there, they don't know how much Iran uh, is responsible, whether they want to point the finger or not, and what sort of response uh, would it be. Joe Biden, the US president, said that at the time, if they respond too forcefully, they could be escalating uh, the conflict. They don't want a war uh, with Iran. Iran doesn't want a war, but at the same time, feelings are running high. And of course, there is domestic issues too. This is an election year for the US president. That was Nathan Kane reporting. Still in the Middle East, visiting Iranian Foreign Minister Hussein Amir Badolahian met with Pakistani caretaker Prime Minister Anwar al-Haqqaqah in Islamabad on Monday. The two sides are seeking to de-escalate tensions and mend ties after tit-for-tat missile strikes at what they claimed were militant targets. Daniel Khan reports from Islamabad. During a joint press conference in Islamabad, Iranian Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdurrahman has accused third countries of backing militants in border regions shared by Pakistan and Iran. This statement follows heightened tensions between the two nations, triggered by a recent deadly Iranian airstrike in Pakistan, prompting reciprocal strikes by Islamabad. According to Pakistan's Foreign Office, Abdul Ahyan's visit aims to bolster bilateral cooperation. He is on a one-day visit to Pakistan accompanied by a high-level delegation. The Foreign Office says discussions have been held focusing border security, terrorism and economic ties. Meanwhile, Pakistani officials have emphasized the commitment to mutual security and stability and have agreed to establish a high-level mechanism to oversee cooperation efforts. Both sides have condemned recent violence with Pakistan, urging an immediate investigation into the killing of nine Pakistani workers in Iran's Sistan, Balochistan province. Experts believe the visit is a positive effort to de-escalate tensions and restore diplomatic relations between the neighboring countries. That was Daniel Khan in Islamabad. In Africa, the military leaderships in Mali and Burkina Faso have sent formal notice of their withdrawal from the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS. Niger is expected to follow suit. 
The trio announced their bid to leave as they blamed the regional body for becoming a threat to its member states. Specifically, they alleged that ECOWAS had failed to support their fight against terrorism and insecurity while imposing illegal sanctions. ECOWAS says the withdrawal process could take up to a year to complete. Deji Badamosi reports on the far-reaching implications of the three nations' decision. The military leaderships of Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger have had frosty relations with ECOWAS ever since they took power in their respective countries through military coups. ECOWAS had been engaged in talks with all three around concrete plans for a transition to democracy. But all of that now appears to be up in smoke with the decision by the three countries to pull out of ECOWAS. ECOWAS has since put out a statement saying it had yet to receive any official communication from the three countries, confirming their decision to leave the regional bloc. It says, however, it remains committed to finding a negotiated solution to the political impasse and promised further pronouncements on the issue. Should the three countries choose to stand their ground and leave the regional bloc, the decision could seriously impact their trade relations with the remaining ECOWAS member states, as well as impede the flow of goods and services. It's the first time in its almost 50-year history that ECOWAS is facing the potential exit of three members at the same time. The three countries have since forged their own bloc, known as the Alliance of Sahel States, which they will likely look to fortify. We're likely to see more talks between the three countries and ECOWAS in the coming days and weeks to try and resolve this issue. But if the three insist on leaving the bloc, it could also have uh, ramifications on their relationships with the wider African Union. That was Deji Padamose reporting. Finally, in China, officials from China and the U.S. are meeting in Beijing to address fentanyl exports and abuse. They are attending the first joint meeting of the China-U.S. Working Group on Fentanyl Precursor Chemicals. Zhou Jiaxing takes a closer look. The first formal meeting on Tuesday has been held by Chinese Ministry of Public Security, uh, while the White House I noted that the U.S. delegation includes high-level officials from the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Justice, as well as the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. We haven't yet been updated about their discussion, but China's top narcotics control officials previously stressed that the country has been engaging campaigns against fentanyl and its precursor chemicals in crackdown on illegal and criminal activities involving the smuggling, illicit manufacturing, trafficking and abuse of fentanyl-related uh, substances. Amid the geopolitical tensions between China and the U.S., the counter-narcotics uh, cooperation was among the topics Chinese President Xi Jinping and his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden agreed on uh, during their summit in San Francisco last November. To deliver on that, the U.S. side has uh, immediately lifted sanctions on relevant Chinese law enforcement institute, and China also uh, issued a public notice warning export orders of 51 precursor chemicals, many for the United States and Mexico, may face what it called long-arm jurisdiction and even stain operation. And U.S. officials uh, have also accused China of being the primary uh, source of the precursor chemicals uh, synthesized into fentanyl that the Mexican drug cartel smuggled into uh, the United States. Some U.S. lawmakers have blamed Beijing for roughly 100,000 U.S. deaths a year linked to the fentanyl abuse. And that explains uh, the U.S. mode is pressing some char- Chinese, um, you know, charges against some Chinese uh, companies. And Chinese Foreign Ministry also said China firmly opposes smears and unilateral sanctions under the protest of fight against drugs. It says 
that the Chinese government has always enforced rigorous anti-drug measures with the strictest drug control policy in the world and its efforts widely recognized by the international community. Adding to that, China referred to the U.S. as, quote, a black hole and a source of problem for global drug control, with 5% of the world's population, about 80% of the global opioid have been consumed in the United States, making the largest uh, major drug demand country. And the contacts uh, between China and the U.S. regarding vital issues, including military, climate, and anti-drug cooperation, were cut off after Washington disregarded Beijing's opposition and representation to uh, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan in 2022. So Beijing says that the progress now uh, in resuming the cooperation has not come easy and needs to be doubly cherished by both sides, hoping that the U.S. side will work with China in the same direction and practically cooperate based on mutual respect, equality, and mutual benefit. And that would uh, contribute to the improvement China-U.S. relations. That was Zhou Jiaxin on China-U.S. cooperation against narcotics abuse. Recapping today's headlines, Qatar is preparing a plan to halt fighting in Gaza and release hostages as Israel continues its deadly assault on the Palestinian enclave. Iran and Pakistan's top diplomats have met in a bid to mend ties after tit-for-tat missile strikes. And China and the United States are discussing ways to curb fentanyl abuse. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tianlu. Thank you for listening.